Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. Don't forget that if you want to check out any of these stories for yourself, you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org where you will find links to all the stories I'm about to share. Let's go to our first piece of the week, big prep gaps for Latinx individuals. Contagion Live shared research finding low awareness of and referrals for PrEP among Latinx individuals at risk for HIV, principal among whom are sexual minority men and transgender individuals. Only 22% of Latinx individuals who tested for HIV and were eligible for PrEP were actually referred to services. So that means that's less than one in four, and more than three in four folks who were eligible who went in to get testing did not get referred. That's a a really big gap. The study also found that only 27% of those um, who went in for an HIV test were aware of PrEP at all. So we also have a a huge gap here um, in the knowledge of, of the individuals who would benefit from the service. So definitely some need for direct outreach and education of Latinx individuals. Um, around PrEP as an option, but also the, the need for providers here to step it up and, um, and to provide those referrals for people who are going to be eligible to benefit. Next up, Action for Intersex Awareness Day. Interact marked October 26th as Intersex Awareness Day by publishing 26 ways in which allies can help support the intersex community. Among their tips were upgrading your vocabulary. So, for example, not calling some body parts uh, male parts and some female parts, um, but using gender-neutral language to refer to anatomy. Um, Another idea, learning about the dangers of intersex-related surgeries that are carried out on young people without their consent. That's important, um, something that we're finally starting to see some states take action on and some individual hospital systems. So the better um, educated everyone is about this issue, the more we can weigh in and support positive change. And finally, another suggestion here, asking one's employer or somewhere else where you go often, like your, your school or a business that you frequent, about making sure that there are gender-neutral bathroom options and signage up. And this benefits not just intersex folks, but non-binary folks, trans folks, um, a lot of people who, who maybe just want, want their privacy, um, folks with limited mobility. So definitely a good tip there, too, that, that just makes things more inclusive for everyone. In our next story, time to talk about pronouns. Elsewhere on the calendar, advocates celebrated International Pronouns Day in October as an opportunity to share with others the importance of understanding and respecting people's pronouns, including those beyond the more common ones being he, him, his, and she, her, hers. They explain how taking steps such as introducing yourself with your own pronouns can help educate others and make trans and non-binary people feel safe sharing their pronouns as well. They also shared resources and ways to organize events to celebrate respecting others' pronouns in the workplace, in educational settings, and wherever else you happen to be. Next up, working with families of trans youth. The Family Institute published a guide for pediatric and mental health providers and administrators on engaging with families of trans and other gender minority youth. These include ways of making clinical encounters more inclusive, such as having visible signs of support for trans individuals around the office, and, related to our previous story, introducing oneself with pronouns to create an affirming space. 
They also discuss how to work with parents who may not be totally on board with their, um, with their youth's gender identity or may not understand that completely, about how providers can help validate their feelings, um, even though, you know, it may, um, they, they may have some growth that they need to do, but to, to avoid kind of a judgmental um, type of encounter. Um, also helping to understand and better manage family conflict, which I think really often falls on the youth to figure out or, or the youth and their parents. Um, so really great here to have advice on how providers can help to do that and to manage that. Also, they mentioned speaking one-on-one -on -one with the patient to create a safe space just with the patient without the family present, um, which I think is also really key because there are some things that youth may just not be comfortable on asking or sharing in front of their family members. So all really great uh, tips here and something that I think will become um, more and more important as we have more youth who are um, hopefully able to access the gender-affirming care that they need. In our next story... Victimization among LGBT youth. LGBT Health published a study exploring victimization among LGBT youth. They found that different experiences of victimization co-occurred more with youth who identify as trans or otherwise a gender minority, among sexual minority youth who disclose their identity to their family, and finally, among those who face identity-related stress or familial rejection. The author stressed the need for interventions to both prevent and address victimization, such as bullying and sexual harassment, which have many negative health associations with them, as we know. And in our final story of the week, checkups could identify potential needs. Nursing Times published research exploring the idea of using primary care and annual checkups in particular to keep an eye on the health needs of trans individuals. Um, so just like we use checkups to keep track of all different areas where, where health needs might um, arise, the suggestion here is for trans patients, since we know that they have particular health needs and also face certain health disparities, that we could consider that in annual checkups to help them um, monitor their health, just like occurs with a lot of other um, care needs more common with the general population. The authors propose holding more conversations with trans individuals to explore this idea, to see if it seems feasible and like something that people would, would enjoy and would benefit from. Also to see how it could uh, actually be implemented in practice. Well, that concludes another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. And don't forget that you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org if you want to check out any of the stories that we've just discussed. Hope you'll tune in next week for another edition of our Roundup.